Welcome to the Advancing Surgical Care Podcast, brought to you by ASCA, the Ambulatory Surgery Center Association. ASCA represents the interests of outpatient surgery centers of every specialty and provides advocacy and resources to assist them in delivering safe, high-quality, cost-effective patient care. As with all of ASCA's communications, please check to make sure you are listening to or viewing our most up-to-date podcasts and announcements. Hi, I'm Bill Prentice, and I'm ASCA CEO and host of this episode. On this ASC podcast, I'm pleased to welcome back Karen Newberry, ASCA's Regulatory Counsel and Director of Government Affairs. I've invited Karen on the podcast today to discuss the proposed 2022 ASC payment rule that was released by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, this week on July 19th. As ASCA members know, but some may not, CMS is required by law to issue a rule each year to establish reimbursement amounts for the procedures the agency allows ASCs to perform on Medicare beneficiaries in the coming year. Since there's a potential payment penalty if ASCs do not fully participate in the ASC Quality Reporting Program, any updates to the measures or process of reporting are also included in the payment rule. ASCA and other interested parties will now have until September 17th to submit comments to the proposals in this year's rule. On balance, ASCA believes the proposed rule for 2022 is a proverbial mixed bag. On a positive note, the rule proposes to raise reimbursement rates for ASCs by 2.3% next year on average. And additional allowances are also made for device-intensive procedures and the use of non-opioid pharmaceuticals. But the rule also contains some very disappointing proposals, including a very jarring reversal of the 2021 rule changes that added a significant number of codes to the ASC-covered procedures list and began the process of removing the inpatient-only list, also known as the IPO list. With every new administration, one expects there to be changes, but these proposed across-the-board reversals are very troubling, to say the least. There are also proposed changes to the Quality Reporting Program and more. But before I review any more of the rule and bring Carrie to the podcast, I need to raise just one caveat. The actual rule that we're about to discuss runs some 863 pages in length. And accordingly, our analysis, as well as today's podcast discussion, will only cover the highlights. In the weeks ahead, as we develop our official comment letter, I'm sure additional insights will emerge. And we will, of course, continue to share that information with all of our members and listeners. And with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Kara Newberry back to the Advancing Surgical Care podcast. Hi, Kara. Hi, Bill. Good to be here. Thank you for your quick review of this lengthy rule, when we've obviously got a lot to unpack and discuss. So to, to simplify our discussion and get right to the issues that matter most to our listeners, let's focus on reimbursement, the ASC-covered procedures list, and ASC quality reporting program. And as I mentioned a moment ago, the proposed rule calls for a 2.3% improvement in reimbursement rates on average for ASCs. Can you explain some of the nuance to that, including the application of the hospital market basket and the additional adjustments that are incorporated in these proposed rate adjustments? Absolutely, Bill. So the 2.3% update for ASCs is the same update that we'll see for hospital outpatient departments next year. Those update factors have been aligned since 2019. Um, CMS back in 2019 decided to do a five-year pilot program where our payment updates were aligned with HOPDs. 
Now, of course, you know, we used to be based on the consumer price index for all urban consumers, which this year would probably have been better for us. But ASCA continues to believe that in the long term, it makes sense for continuity for us to be tied to the hospital outpatient apartments and have the same update factor that they have. As you said, it varies greatly by specialty, by individual code. So we get calls all the time from people saying, well, my rates weren't updated 2.3%. And this is on average across the thousands of codes uh, for which ASCs are reimbursed. Um, I will also point out that there is a troubling trend downward. So our conversion factor, while it was 59.1% of hospital outpatient apartments in 2021, it is proposed to be 58.09% in 2022. So one percentage lower, and that's uh, due to some other problematic payment policies um, that CMS continues to implement. So long story short is that 2.3% is just a starting point, and then there's a lot of math and budget machinations that happen at the code level that you know really changes things. And I, I know that's something that we've been working on to try and address to create a fairer way for ASCs to get reimbursed. We obviously don't have time to talk much about that today, but but important for our our listeners to know. Kara, we're going to take a short break to hear a quick message from our podcast sponsor. So if you'll stand by, we'll be right back. Funding for the Advancing Surgical Care podcast is provided by Healthcare Appraisers, a national healthcare valuation and advisory firm recognized for its proven track record in ASC valuation. Healthcare Appraisers' skilled team has valued thousands of ASCs for purchasers, investors, and real estate transactions. Experience how healthcare appraisers thinks differently by visiting www.healthcareappraisers.com. Kara, before we paused our conversation, we were discussing the rate increases that were pretty much in line with our expectations, even if they fell short of what we would like to see. That said, the proposal that surprised us the most, and startled might be a better word, were the proposals to reverse course on the procedures approved last year, along with the phase-out of the inpatient-only list. What, if any, rationale is CMS providing for this pretty dramatic reversal in the draft rule from what was in last year's? Bill, you're absolutely correct. Um, While we did have some feeling that CMS might pause, you know, under a new administration might pause, for instance, the complete elimination of the inpatient-only list, we were surprised to see this complete reversal. The rationale given was not something that I think any of us in the ASC community feel is adequate. And, you know, we will be commenting as such in our comment letter. CMS indicated that the medical officers for the agency have had a chance to review, for instance, the 258 codes that they are now proposing to remove from the ASC covered procedure list. And, you know, my question, and I think all of our question back to CMS would be, why were those not reviewed prior to adding them in 2021? So there's a lot more questions than answers in terms of, um, you know, rationale, um, but ASCA will be advocating hard for our facilities to continue to be able to perform any of those procedures that they are safely able to do. And we know that that is a lot of the 258 that are being proposed for removal. 
Yeah, I, I think that quite honestly, if I recall from last year, I think we were a bit surprised at the decisions they made to actually move all those procedures both off of the IPO list to the hospital outpatient department and then that big batch of procedures off of the HOPD list to now allow them to also be performed in the ASC. And I think at that point, we were, I think, looking realistically that ASCs wouldn't do a lot of those procedures anyway. So so I think where our concern comes from is less the fact that all these procedures have been you know moved one way and now potentially back the other way, but the fact that it doesn't seem coherent from the agency's perspective in terms how they made these decisions. And what we, I think, were most appreciative of last year with a number of the changes they made, and particularly in terms of the process that they were going to use to make future decisions about which procedures to move into our space is it seemed like they were going to place a greater reliance on clinical judgment of physicians. And it seems to me a bit disappointing that it seems like they have retrenched in that perspective this year in this proposed rule. Am I getting that right? Absolutely, Bill. And also the lack of transparency. You know, transparency is, of course, a huge buzzword um, in healthcare, um, especially right now. And there's really a lack of transparency in this decision. There is some transparency um, being proposed with a new nomination process through which CMS would allow stakeholders such as ASCA to submit codes that we would like to see added to the ASC covered procedure list by March 1st of every year. And then CMS would determine whether or not they were going to put them in the proposed rule for the following year. If CMS determines that they are not going to put them in the proposed rule, they would have to provide a rationale for that decision. So. You know, I was happy to see that because that was something that was in the proposed rule last year but not finalized. So um, the formal nomination process does at least give us a little bit of transparency moving forward, but that doesn't, you know, satisfy us or really help us with the sweeping changes that were made this year to our ASC cover procedure list. And, and that's an excellent point because for the entire time that you and I have been here, you know, working on behalf of our members, we have been asking for that sort of transparency because again, for our listeners benefit, Carrie, you brought clinicians up to Baltimore to meet with the CMS medical directors in an effort to try and get additional procedures put on our payable list. And oftentimes we get no feedback whatsoever, uh, and those procedures aren't added to the list, and we're never given any indication, you know, which criteria did they fail to meet to be eligible to be put on our list. So this is something that if is in, is put into, you know, the final rule, a great leap forward for us in terms of at least having a better sense of how to get these procedures approved so that the things that our members are doing safely on the non-Medicare population we now have a greater chance to get them approved uh, to be performed by Medicare beneficiaries as well. So let's hope that ends up in the final rule. And obviously, we'll be asking for that. And hopefully, anyone else who's listening who's going to be submitting a comment will also push for that. I think I now want to turn to quality reporting program and the changes that are being proposed in the rule there. And again, we're seeing significant changes after a year of really no new measures. You know, it's been a while since we've had any new measures put into our program. The first change is the resumption of ASC 1 through 4, which are outcomes measures. And these were measures that are actually developed by the ASC Quality Collaboration, which ASCA participates in. And we advocated actually for keeping these measures that had been suspended, you know, a couple of years ago. 
and they were suspended due to the higher performance because ASCs were performing so well on them that the agency at the time decided to suspend further reporting. But we think that information that's contained in those four measures is really beneficial to prospective patients. So, you know, we're pleased to see those measures being returned to our program, and I'll I'll let you kind of provide a little more detail to those. However, we have some concerns with some of the other reporting requirements that have been proposed. So why don't you walk us through some of these proposed changes to the quality reporting program? Absolutely, Bill. Besides the ASC cover procedure list, the quality reporting program far and away was the most sweeping changes for ASCs. And as you indicated last year, there were really no major developments. So this was a very significant shift and we believe increase of burden in many ways um, on ASCs. So as you mentioned, ASC 1 through 4, which are the um, patient burn, fall, wrong event, and all-cause hospital transfer or admission measures are being brought back after a few years suspension from our program. Uh, CMS is proposing to have those measures be reported through a web-based submission as opposed to claims-based, which they were previously. We believe that that's to allow for reporting on a greater patient population outside of just Medicare fee-for-service, but the rule itself was not clear on that. So we're going to need to get clarification from CMS quality reporting staff, see if there's a specs manual that we missed that's come out um, on that. Um, But yes, in general, we are supportive of this. And in fact, we would like to see HOPDs, hospital outpatient departments, report on, you know, any of these measures that are appropriate to have better comparisons across sites of service. Some of the new measures are the COVID um, healthcare personnel vaccination measure, which has been proposed in all of the sites of service that have had their payment rules introduced thus far this year. Our biggest concern is that it will be reported through NHSN. And uh, for those of you who are having flashbacks to when you had to report on your influenza healthcare personnel uh, vaccinations, that um, is not the easiest system always to enroll in or to enter data. And from the uh, reading that we have of the rule, which this part in particular was written in a very confusing fashion, but it looks as if facilities would have to start reporting data the first quarter of 2022. And so we do have some concerns about uh, facilities needing to re-enroll. I have heard from one of our board members who has gone in and they had to had not I've been on NHSN in quite some time, and she was easily able to uh, get back on there. So that's a good sign. But if you know you have had turnover in your facility in the past few years in terms of who was using NHSN, or if you're a new facility, you know we worry that there could be some hiccups there. So we'll be um, commenting on that. Probably the biggest surprise to me in the rule was ASC 11. That's the cataract improvement in patients' visual function within 90 days following cataract surgery measure. You may know that that measure has been voluntary in our payment system for the past several years. And that was due to actually a great coalition between ASC communities, ophthalmic communities, and the hospital communities, because it's a measure in their space as well, um, indicating that it's not an appropriate measure for a facility. Um, it is going to be a burden on facilities to, um, to have that to be mandatory. Right now, there are approximately 40 ASCs that are voluntary 
voluntarily reporting this information, and there are over 2,000 ASCs that are performing ophthalmic procedures. So just you know, about 2% of ASCs have tried this, and in the proposal, CMS says that facilities have had several years to practice. Well, nobody was practicing because nobody had any indication from prior rulemaking that this was even on the table to be made mandatory. So uh, we will certainly be pushing back on that. We will strongly oppose making ASC 11 mandatory for several reasons, many of which I just outlined. Um, and then the final big change that we were anticipating is the eventual um, mandate for OSCAPs, the Outpatient and Ambulatory Surgery Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems, which is, of course, quite a mouthful, as is the survey itself. So this is a patient experience survey that will be given in the ASC and hospital outpatient department settings, and it will be responsible for five measures, but they're all under the 15 umbrella. So ASC 15A through E will be um, based on uh, results that come out of this survey. So CMS is proposing a lengthier um, timeline for adoption, which is good saying that in 2013, you know, they're encouraging facilities to voluntarily report, and then 2024, it would start mandating. Now, we've had problems in the past and concerns with the modes of the survey. So initially, we had three modes, phone option, a mail option, and then a mixed mode, which was phone and mail. And CMS has tested and approved two new options, which are mixed mode with phone and an electronic version, or mixed mode with a mail and electronic version. ASCA has been advocating for and will continue to advocate for an electronic-only version, because that is truly the means by which you would reduce the cost burden on our facilities. Well, there's obviously a lot to unpack there and and a lot of things that we're going to have to spend some time thinking about and how we're going to comment on back to the agency with regard to quality reporting. But that was a great overview of the major provisions in the rule. And, you know, Kara, I'm just thinking now that it might be a good idea to maybe uh, bring you back and do another podcast maybe in early September once we've solicited comments from our membership, our board, our government affairs committee, and others in the development of our comment letter and our final position and recommendations on all these different provisions, and maybe spend a few minutes uh, giving our, our listeners an idea of where we've landed in terms of our responses on these things. So I hope you'll indulge me and be willing to come back uh, to do that. Well, I think we, you know, as I said, I think we've covered the high points and I know that you have more analysis to do it with your team in the weeks ahead, but I want to thank you and our entire ASCA staff for the quick study of this very expansive proposal. And of course, the work that you and the government affairs team do all year round to advocate for the interests of our members. Thanks, Bill. So before signing off, I would once again like to acknowledge the support of Healthcare Appraisers, a national healthcare valuation and advisory firm recognized for its proven track record in ASC valuation. Healthcare Appraisers has valued thousands of ASCs for purchasers, investors, and real estate transactions, and we welcome their support as an ASCA affiliate. So until next time, please continue to follow your local public health guidance, and we'll talk to you again soon.